God bless you. It's so good to be back again with you today. Thank you so much for coming. We realize it's not always possible to travel to a service somewhere and to fellowship with the other people there. So we bring the service to you, wherever you are. And we hope you'll be encouraged today and as you discover God's peace and His promises for your life. Would you open in your Bibles to the book of James in chapter 3? That's where we've been studying and today we're at chapter 3. We'll show those verses up here in the video for you too, just to make it easier for you to follow along. I'd like to talk to you today about speaking less and listening more. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh good, he's going to talk less and I'll be out of here and be done with this. No. I'm going to try to be succinct. I'm just teaching the word here. That's important to hear. So just be patient. We'll go through this together. Like I said, we're in the third chapter of James today. There's only five chapters in this little book of James. It's a wonderful book. It's got all kinds of wonderful instructions for life itself. A lot of wisdom in this book. This book talks a lot about wisdom. Remember it said in the previous study as we're going through the book of James that if any of us lack wisdom, just ask God. And He gives it freely. He doesn't accuse you of doing wrong and He refuses to give you wisdom because you haven't lived right. No, it says that He gives it freely and liberally, overflowing to all who ask. So the book of James is a wonderful book. Let's take a look at chapter 3 together. It says in James chapter 3, verse 1, My brothers, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man. He's able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they're so large and they're driven by fierce, powerful winds, yet they're turned about by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. And even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Now think about that. What these first few verses tell us is it starts speaking about how powerful that little tongue is. But before it even gets into that subject, it says, let not many of us become teachers. That's a good admonition. You see, back then, as today, there's always some people who think that they want to be up in front of other people. That they want to be the one speaking while everybody else is listening. You know what? I would rather be sitting out there where you are. But God has called me to bring the Word of God to you. He's called me to feed His sheep. And woe unto me if I don't do what He's called me to do. I'm not naturally a talker by nature. I'm a silent person usually. But when it comes to the Word of God, God put His Holy Spirit in me and placed me in a situation to where I am responsible for what many people hear. And I have to teach the right things. I can't just talk about anything. I have to talk about what God wants me to speak about. And if you think that that's just anything that comes to mind, no, He wants me to speak about His Word. 
It says in the book of Psalms that he honors his word above his name. He honors his word above his very name. His word endures forever. The grass of the field fades away. The flower of that grass falls off and perishes. But the word of God lasts forever. That's what the book of Isaiah says. So it's my responsibility to not just teach you, but to teach you what His Word says. I get a little disturbed when I hear people say, Oh, God gave me a message and He told me to say this. And then they start speaking as if they're speaking from the Lord. Thus says the Lord. And then sometimes what comes out of their mouth is something that is absolutely against what God's Word says. You can't trust your emotions. Those people are just relying on their feeling. They get a tingling up their back and they go, Ooh, I was just shivering when I had this thought. It must be from God. And they stand up and they say, Thus says the Lord. Oh, come on. Try the spirits to see if they be of God or not. That's what God's Word says. How do you try the spirits to see if they're of God or not? By His Word. If what they're saying is in the Word of God, you can believe that and take it to heart. If what they're saying is not in the Word of God and in fact goes against what God's Word teaches, then that thing that they're saying, that thought that came into their mind is more their feelings and emotions and it's not from God. The Word of God is what you want to anchor your life to. Now, when you become a teacher, you have a great responsibility. Think about this. I'm up here speaking to you today. But as I'm speaking, I know in my heart of hearts, the thing that I concern myself with the most is that I will say something that is of myself and not of God. A teacher of God's Word as a responsibility to present God's Word and nothing other than God's Word. Now, it doesn't mean that you're just reading verses and that's how you talk. No, you can explain what those verses mean. You can talk about the setting of that verse and try to see what it's talking about by the context that it's in and the other verses around it. But don't just go off talking on other things that are things that the world thinks about. God didn't put you behind a place of teaching in order for you to tell the people how the world expects you to live. He puts you in this place. If you speak to God's people, He gave you a solemn responsibility to speak His word and to speak it truthfully and faithfully. Our greatest concern as a teacher of the Word of God should be going astray from the Word of God. If I ever say something, even in this video that you're seeing, if I ever say something that's wrong, if I notice it, I will very quickly just tell you, you know what, what I said isn't accurate. It really should be this way instead. And if I don't notice it, then I'll come back when I find out about it in a future teaching and I'll say, you know, I said this to you, this one message, and that wasn't right because God word, God's Word teaches this. 
you have a responsibility, a solemn responsibility in your heart to teach honestly and truthfully the Word of God. Not the Word of John, not the Word of Joe, not the Word of Mary, not the world, not the Word of Linda, nothing like that. You have a responsibility to teach only God's Word. You speak His Word and there's healing in His Word. When you speak His Word, there's power in His Word. When you speak His Word, it lifts people up. When you speak the words of the world, they tear people down. When you speak the words of the world, they don't offer hope. When you speak the words of the world, everyone's heard that before and they just roll their eyes and say, well, yo, thanks a lot for the help that is really no help at all. I've heard that before. I've tried that before. What they're looking for is something that works. And what works is the Word of God. You anchor yourself to the Word of God and you'll be okay. Don't try to teach just to be up in front of somebody. If you do that, your heart is wrong. Go away, get alone, spend time with God until you know how He wants you to speak. You're not there to promote yourself. You're there to promote God Almighty. You are to decrease, but He is to increase. He says, the one who humbles himself will be lifted up. But the one who tries to promote and lift himself up will be humbled. You don't want to be humbled by God. Better to humble yourself and let God lift you up. It's only by His Spirit that you have anything to say when you're teaching in front of God's people. It's only by His Spirit. It's not by your wisdom. It's not by your wit. It's not by humor. It's not about something cool that you heard and some story and inspirational story. It always comes back to the Word of God. And when it's about the Word of God, you're safe. But don't be a teacher unless God has called you to do that. And not to be many teachers, he says, for they will have a greater judgment. God will require more of them because the things that they say don't just affect them. The things that they say affect the lives of other people. And you don't want to steer someone the wrong direction. You don't want to give someone bad advice because then you would be found to be a liar and they would think that it was God that said that when in reality God didn't say what you said. You were just thinking of words to say and you said something and it wasn't in God's Word. A great responsibility when you're teaching God's Word to think through. You know what I always do is before I get up here I get down and I pray. I get down on my knees, my face to the ground sometimes, and I pray, God, don't let me go out there without you. Be with me. You're all I need, Lord. Be with me. Don't send me out there alone. When God is with you, all is well. When God is with you, his Spirit will teach you what to say. Isn't that what the Bible says? Commit your way to the Lord 
and He will direct your steps. Commit your keeping of your soul unto Him in well-doing, for He's faithful. He's a faithful Creator, and He'll guide you. He'll guide you through life. He'll guide your words. He'll guide your decisions. And the things that come out of your mouth when He is in charge will not be from you, but they'll be from Him. And so remember that also. If you speak and you teach and people like what you taught, don't think that, oh, I did a pretty good job. Do you hear that? Somebody said they like what I said. It wasn't you. Remember who it really was. It was the Holy Spirit. So you give God the glory. You are nothing. I am nothing. And without Him, we're nothing. I study astrophotography. I have a telescope and I go out at night and photograph the things of the heavens. I do that because the book of Psalms says the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament above us shows His handiwork. And so I like that for two reasons. Number one, I could get out there alone and I can just be silent under the night skies and do that work and look up and be amazed at the work of His hands. Things millions and billions of times larger than the earth we live on. And I'm beholding those with my eyes. And I'm looking through the telescope and I'm seeing things up close that are just amazing to see. Things that are far beyond your imagination to comprehend. Our sun is just one tiny star. I say a tiny star, and yet it's one million times bigger than the earth we live on. And there's at least 600 billion stars like our sun in our galaxy alone. The Milky Way is what we call it. But wait, 600 billion that are at least a million times bigger than our earth? 600 billion stars? Well, wait. There's at least that many other galaxies or communities of stars, each with around 600 billion stars and 600 billion galaxies like that in the known universe, and we still don't know the end. In all of our technology, we don't know the end. I'm telling you, when God is in charge, He knows what to say. He knows where to put you. He knows what you're to teach about. And when you give it to Him, even though it's not in your notes anymore, but you say, Lord, here I go. I'm jumping off into the water, Lord. I need you to guide me. I need you to bring me through. And He will do it because God is faithful and He wants His Word to be taught. He doesn't want your emotions to be taught. He doesn't want people to think of you as a prophet and to give glory and praise and honor to you. No, He wants you to humble yourself and speak of Him. That's speaking of His Word. And this is what it means when we read only the very first verse. But now He gets into the place where He's talking about the tongue. And He said, look, it's such a small part of the body and yet look at all the damage it could do. He says, consider this, this large ship, this large boat is controlled by a little rudder at the back of the boat. And that steers that very large boat to where it's supposed to go. 
All the pilot has to do, he doesn't have to get off the side of the ship and try to push that ship and make it go to the left or to the right. All he has to do is stand back there and move that little rudder and that ship will turn around and it will go to where he wants it to go. And in the same way, the tongue can control your life for good or for bad. And it's better to spend a lot of time listening and a little time talking. We need to talk less and listen more. And so he says down in this next verse, verse 5, See how great a forest a little fire kindles. A tiny fire can start a whole forest fire and hundreds of thousands of acres are burned because a tiny little match started that fire. And then he says in verse 6, And the tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. In other words, it can defile the whole body. You, you can look like you're wise until you speak. <laughs> you can look like someone who knows what's going on until you speak. You could look like a nice person until you speak. You can look like you love others until you gossip about others. The tongue is set among our members in a way that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the very course of nature. And it itself is set on fire by hell. And then it says something interesting. You know, in nature, every kind of beast and bird, in verse 7 it says, for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But nobody can tame the tongue. No man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. What do you mean? I have poison in my mouth? If you're speaking evil things and you're gossiping and you're lying and you're speaking the thoughts of your own mind and not God's word when you're supposed to be speaking God's word, yes, your mouth, your tongue is full of deadly poison. It says in verse 9, with the tongue, with it we bless God and our Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude or the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a water spring give forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? No, of course not. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bring forth olives or a grapevine bear fruits? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. So you see, he's talking about how strong and powerful, how evil this tongue can be. And yet sometimes we don't even pay attention to what that tongue is saying. We just put it on autopilot. We put it on cruise control. We hear a lot about cars that drive themselves nowadays, right? And people are saying that's going to be the wave of the future. But we already have little pieces of our body called the tongue that sometimes seem to drive themselves. When you're going too fast here, you're going to run into something and there's going to be an accident. Better to speak slowly and speak wisely and make sure you're speaking the Word of God 
than to just let that tongue go without control. And you're going to find out that you say some things that you go, why did I say that? I shouldn't have said that. I'm talking about the very person that I, I'm, I'm speaking to this person and I, I just said something that makes me look stupid. <laughs> I made something that makes me look like a gossip and that's because you are a gossip. You just didn't want anyone to know about it. But now you've revealed who you are. So now change who you are. Slow down. Stop that tongue. Open up those ears and start listening and be wise. It says in the Bible, in the multitude of many words, sin is not wanting. In other words, it's easy to sin when you speak a lot. It's better to slow down, think a lot, and listen more. It says in verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Oh, that's a phrase we need to learn. The meekness of wisdom. Sometimes, and I think we've all known these people, someone will come up to you and, and they'll tell you why you're doing this wrong and, and they'll show you all of their experience that they have and they'll speak to you like they're talking down to you, like they're far more knowledgeable and important than you are. That's not meekness of wisdom. That's pride of wisdom. And I've found that most of the time when people do that, they really don't have any real wisdom to be proud of anyway. Real wisdom is pure and peaceable and is meek and humble. See, it says, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. You don't just come up to somebody and start showing them how important you are, trying to tell them how much you know. Why don't you spend your time building others up instead? Don't focus all the time on building your own self up. Let others praise you and not your own mouth. You build others up and encourage others. But verse 14 says, But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, don't boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom... This wisdom he's saying about <clears throat> boasting and trying to promote yourself and self-seeking in your own heart. Don't boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not come from above, but it is earthly, sensual, even demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are also there. Do you hear that? Where envy and self-seeking exist, Confusion and every evil thing are there. Envy. Well, that's when I want what other people want. That's when I'm jealous of them because they have things that I want. And I think I should have that. And I'm looking to try to get the things that they have. That's envy. Self-seeking is pretty much self-explanatory. It means you're always going around thinking about yourself. Everything you do in life is about yourself. Everything that you aspire to do in life, every day when you wake up, you go out and everything is about getting things for you, doing things for you, promoting your reputation, social media, what you're going to post on social media, 
what you're going to say before this group of people. All about you, all about you, all about you. You know, Jesus Christ gave His life for us. It wasn't about Him at all. He humbled Himself to the point of obedience, even to the point of the death on the cross. Because that was what we needed to be saved. He wasn't seeking things for Himself. He was seeking us so that we might have everlasting life in His sacrifice. Painful, loving sacrifice. And we love Him because He first loved us. Wow, what a love. The greatest love story that the world has ever known in Jesus, the Son of God, who gave His life for us. And to all who believe on Him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's what John 3.16 says. And so let go of the envy. Let go of the self-seeking. Because when you have envy and self-seeking, there's going to be confusion in your life and every evil thing is going to just be spinning around you, all these evil things, and there's great opportunity for falling, great opportunity for sin when you are self-seeking and you're living a life of envy and self-seeking. But Verse 17 continues then in James chapter 3, but the wisdom that is from above is first, it's pure. Then it's peaceable, it's peaceful, gentle. Oh, how we need to hear this next phrase. It's willing to yield. Oh, willing to yield? No, I'm right. And if I tell them I'm wrong, they'll think that I'm, that I'm just not as smart as they are. <laughs> no, willing to yield. Let somebody else win for a change. And when you do, they'll respect you for it. Because they'll know that you're actually trying to serve them. You're actually trying to lift them up. Trying to encourage them. Trying to find a way for them to win. You see, it's not all about self-seeking. It's not all about you all the time. Try to find a way for others to win. Be willing to yield to others. And you know what the irony is? Is when you do that, you will really be winning too. You will be happy and joyful because you're helping others to be lifted up instead of trying to always promote yourself. And then it says, be full of mercy and good, good fruits. That's what the wisdom from above is. Verse 17 again. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, in other words, it does acts the same to anybody, those whom you love and those whom you like, people who are friends, people who are enemies. You treat people with respect no matter who they are. And it says without partiality and without hypocrisy. In other words, what you're talking about should be how you're living. Don't try to tell people how to live when you're living the opposite. That's a hypocrite. That's hypocrisy and you don't want to live like that. Then verse 18 says, Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And I want to tell you, there's a whole book that could be written about verse 18. The fruit of righteousness is not something that someone that comes in and demands to be in power 
demands to be in a position of authority. It's not about someone who tries to use force to get in a position of power or authority. No, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Are you seeking righteousness, the righteousness of God? Or are you trying to convince others that you are righteous because you don't make mistakes? Because you want other people to respect you because that gives you power because they will then seek you out for the answers to life. If you're doing that, that's self-seeking. Again, like verse 17 says, uh, verse 16, it's self-seeking. Verse 18, now the fruit of righteousness. If you want to be righteous, try living at peace with others. Now the fruit of righteousness, and it is a fruit, it's sown in peace by those who make peace. The seed of righteousness is peace and those who make peace. Remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. I can't tell you how long I've looked at that verse. I was at the Mount of Beatitudes, walking around toward that building on that little hill in the Galilee. And I saw the little stone down there that had that verse on it. And I just looked at that and I go, oh, God, make me a peacemaker that I may be called your child. God, make me a person who lives in peace, even to those who are trying to hurt me, that I may be called and considered to be your child. How precious, how awesome, how wonderful that verse is. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You're seeking righteousness? Sow some seeds of peace. And make peace. That's what that verse 18 is saying. So you can see when you're praying and speaking to God, you need to remember to be still and listen to what He has to say as well. After all, He has so much more to say than you do, doesn't He? And when you're speaking to other people, why not spend more time listening to them? You know, many people are going through terrible trials and they need someone that will patiently listening to, listen to them. You know, listening is a ministry in itself, all in its own. It's a therapy to those who need a friend to come to. Will you be that friend? Will you stop talking and lend a listening ear? And when you're in a conversation with someone, spend more time in silence so you can actually hear what God would have you say to that person. Don't just think about what you're going to say next. An interesting thing to do is try to go through an entire day without using the word I. Not I like we see with, but I like me. <laughs> try to go through a whole word without using the word I. When I tried that, I found out that I only spoke about a fifth as much as I used to speak. It's really tough. You find out how I-centric you really are when you try to go without saying that word for a whole day. 
then at the end of that day, you're kind of sad because you realize, wow, seems like 80% of what I talk about is always just me. How sad. Lose that focus on yourself and start listening to others. Instead of thinking about what you're going to say next while someone is speaking, why not ask the Lord what would be the right thing to say and listen to Him. When you listen, it shows others that you respect them and that you consider them wise enough to have some, something meaningful to say. And never use your tongue to tear someone down. You know, here's the thing. Your heavenly Father is the creator of the universe. Remember how we talked about all those billions and billions of stars and galaxies? He's the creator of the universe. And what a universe it is. We should spend more time looking up, getting alone, listening to the Lord, walking with God like Enoch did, and looking up. Because it does say the heavens declare the glory of God. You want to see the glory of God? Get away from it all and look up. That's what Psalm says you'll see. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows His handiwork. So what I'm saying is never use your tongue to tear someone down because your heavenly Father is a builder. He's not in the demolition, in the demolition business. He's a builder. He builds people up. He doesn't tear them down. You're His child. Why not turn your words into tools of encouragement instead of weapons of destruction. Don't gossip. Well, you, you have enough problems of your own. Why discuss other people's problems? You need to listen to them. Pray for that person instead of gossiping about them. Don't say something behind someone's back. If God has given you something edifying to say, say it directly to them. They'll respect you more for guarding their feelings and protecting their reputation and not being so insensitive that you would want to hurt them in front of someone else. And then finally, when you speak, speak of the things that matter, not of the worldly things. Speak of the Word of God. Show His love. Don't come across as judgmental. We all have sins, and we're all, we don't want to be judged. If you judge others, you're going to be judged. You don't want that. But God said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. That's wise. Don't judge, and you won't be judged. Be merciful, and you'll receive mercy. We all have sins, and there's only one judge, and that's God. Let Him do the judging. You pray for people. Jesus spoke the word of God. He was not a respecter of persons. He was truthful and merciful to everyone. He wants us to be like Him. Even those who persecuted him. He was, he was persecuted by them, but he loved them in return. So tame the tongue. Discuss what you have from the Lord. Guard your heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't take long to see another person's heart. Just listen to what they talk about. See if you find the love and mercy of God in their heart, in their words. But if what's being said is about things that don't matter or if their life is being lived to honor God, their words will tell you which it is. When you find yourself talking too much and not listening enough, remember those words in Psalm 46 verse 10. Be still 
and know that I am God. That's what God is speaking to us today. Be still and know that I am God. Oh, I can't be still. I've got too many things to do. I'm behind on all my schedule already. I can't do that. There's no time to be still. If everything would just go away, all the problems would go away, and I had everything I need, then I could be still. No, God is saying it's the opposite. Be still and know that He is God. Because when He is with you, all that other stuff is going to be taken care of. What I'm saying is, He is all you need. He's the answer to your every need. He's the answer to every question you have. You want wisdom? You come to Him. You got things that you're going through, you're hurting, you're grieving, you come to Him. You're going through medical conditions, you come to Him. You got sin that needs forgiven, you come to Him. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God, he says to you. Be still and know that he's God. That's all you need. He's all you need. Be still. Calm your heart in him and be still and know that he is God. In all these areas, you'll be much happier and a fulfilled person when you're speaking less and listening more whether it's speaking less to God and listening more to Him, still praying and speaking to Him, but take the time to listen. Don't just give Him the list of what you want Him to do for you and then walk away. He's God. He's got so much more to say than you do. Why don't you listen to Him? And when you're around other people, listen to what they have to say. It'll show that you respect them, that you love them, that you care for them. And you know what? You'll be happier too because you've helped somebody. And that's the happiness you're really trying to seek when you're trying to be self-serving. The irony is, is it actually comes when you do exactly the opposite and you care for other people instead. Why don't you give your life to Him right now? If you call out to Him, He's going to hear you cry and He'll answer you. He'll rescue you from that darkness and He'll shine His light on your heart and you'll be given newness of life. He'll change you into a new person and throw all that bad history away and you'll be made completely new, given a new start. And He'll give you everlasting life in heaven that's guaranteed by God Himself. That's His promise. We want to give you an opportunity to believe in Jesus as the Messiah and Lord today. And to receive God's peace in your life. You can be saved and given everlasting life in heaven by simply believing that God sent His one and only Son into the world to save us from judgment. Just pray something like this. You can repeat after me. God, I do want to know you and have real peace in life. I believe on your Son, Jesus Christ, as Lord. Please forgive all my sins. I give my life to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, God heard you. And He's already started working in your life. A little seed has been planted deep down in your heart. And over time, you'll begin to see the wonderful changes that He's making in your life. Get in a good Bible-based church 
Learn about Him every day in His Word and talk to Him every day in prayer. He's going to do wonderful things in your life.